Graham and afternoon everybody. Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17, we, we know the story very well. Uh, verse 22, uh, Paul, Apostle Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and he said, you men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. For as I passed by and behold, behold your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore you ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. God that's made the world and all the things therein, seeing that he's Lord of heaven and earth, dwells not in temples made with hands, neither is worship with men's hands, as though he needs anything, seeing he gives to all life and breath and all things. Now, um, I was in the uh, TTP this morning. I needed to get a, a reader for the camera. And I was walking down the TTP just dressed like this and met up with a man from Cooper Pedy. And he was... Uh, a little bit offish. He had a, this is a single guy. We'd had a lady with him and probably a 12-year-old girl. And so I said, hello, Michael. And he sort of looked and, who's this? And introduced and themselves and said, I'm Dean from Cooper Pedy. And she said, you don't look like you're from Cooper Pedy. And uh, she said, in fact, you don't look like you're from anybody, uh, anybody from TT Plaza at this time on a Sunday either. There with a shirt and a tie on. And I said, well, it's Sunday, isn't it? And um, maybe people lose perspective Sunday, the Lord's Day. The day we come to have communion. Oh, oh, the guy wanted to go. It was interesting. But as I was walking around, I was um, just, it just occurred to me many different nationalities. And most of us are brought up in what's perceived to be a Christian country. And um, older ones are just going to church. That's just the norm. And um, I think everybody's like that. But we're living in a society where things are changing very dramatically and very quickly. I looked up on the, on the net and talked about many religions, about ethnic religions. <coughs> ethnic religions are religions that really, really don't seek converts. Up in Cooper Pedy many years ago, I was uh, talking to a, a couple. She was the secretary of the Greek Orthodox community of Cooper Pedy. And um, I said, uh, Andrea, can I come along to your church? And she said, well, no. I said, why not? She said, well, you're not Greek. <laughs> well, but if you tell me your religion is right, orthodoxa, the correct praise, the right way, if your church is the right way, why can't I come there? Have you got any Chinese in the church? Oh, no, no, they're all Greeks. Does that mean only Greeks can be saved? Oh, no answer to that. And so there are ethnic religions where people are born into that particular religion, no real conviction other than that's their heritage, their parentage. There's nothing spiritual about it whatsoever. They don't um, seek converts to the religion. When you stop and think about it, that must be worlds away from the, uh, from the gospel we read in the Bible, and all the people say. Huh? Um, some say that all religions are ethnic because they come out of some particular culture whether it's Jewish or whatever, it's sort of people of that because they're born that way. Christian, I've made a couple of notes here so I wouldn't forget, Christian, Jewish and Muslim are theistic. That is, they believe in one God, one God there. Buddhism and Taoism classify some of their believers as monotheistic, believe in one God, and others are atheistic or agnostic. 
And so you start to talk about Buddhism and so on, and, and maybe you're involved in humanism and, and um, um, naturalists, that sort of thing. Now, that's foreign thinking to most of us. We just weren't brought up that way. There is um, pantheism, that's all gods, where everything is God. The universe is nature. And God is divinity and the nature and, and the universe and it's all one. They're all identical. Therefore, there is a sacredness in nature. They want to go out into the desert or wherever and to worship God because he's there in nature. And they're changing this, this creator into the universe itself. So we've got all the greenies trying to preserve the environment and everything. I was reading this morning about People eating, drinking um, bottled water and, you know, they said water you get out of a tap is just as good as the bottled water. And they said, do you realise that it takes three litres of water to produce one litre of bottled water? So the environment say, hey, we mustn't have bottled water anymore. But just the planet, they think that nature is God somehow. Atheists and sceptics regard religious belief as superstition. And we see Dawkins and these guys are around. and It's all superstitious, just to hoodwink people. The Roman emperor in 425 AD, Theodosius II, he outlawed pagan traditions as all being superstitious. So all the things they believed in before that, all the mythology, everything else, when he said this is now a Christian, everything else is pagan, that's all superstitious. And the tables turn. People trying to believe and contemplate something spiritual and not just natural, things you can touch and see. Mythology, the myths and legends and dream time and so on. I read here that in a banquet of the gods, Eris, one of the gods, threw down a golden apple on the ground. The goddesses in the big banquet, the goddesses contended for it and were sent, naughty children, they were sent off to Zeus. Zeus is the father of gods. He ruled for Mount Olympus, the Olympic Games coming up soon. It's all tied up with that. So they were sent off to see Zeus. Um, uh, they were sent by Zeus to another god named Paris to be judged. And Paris saw Aphrodite as being beautiful, so he gave her the apple. So they said the golden apple is the world. It's thrown down the different gods, bestow different gifts to the world and thus contend for this apple. All these different gods there, they're all fighting for this apple. And uh, Paris, uh, Paris means living according to your senses. He saw only beauty and so he declared uh, this beautiful um, uh, goddess Aphrodite to the apple was hers because she was the most beautiful of the gods. Aphrodite is the goddess of love and beauty and pleasure and procreation. Now, this is all mythology. And whilst you think that's all out there somewhere, there are people in our midst and out of society who are brought up on this and believe these sort of things, a bigger percentage than perhaps we realise. And these are the people we're trying to witness to, to bring in, to tell them about a power of God to come into our lives, a God who lives not in temples made with man's hands, but our bodies become the temple of the Holy Ghost. Um. Polytheism, many gods, predates monotheism. Before people believed in one god, they believed in many gods. And it persists in this modern era 
periods in Hinduism, Buddhism, Shintoism and Chinese folk religions. Polytheists do not believe in all God, do not believe that all gods are equal. They worship different gods at different times for different reasons. So they've got the love goddess, the mother goddess, the love goddess, the solar deity, the water deity, and so it is. You've got a problem with your air conditioning, you pray to the goddess for air conditioners and your motor car, whatever. Hundreds and hundreds of gods. And it says fantasy. But there are many people who today, they're live, people just like you and I, that believe in these things. The Buddhists, the teachings of the awakened one from about 500 BC, and they vary, the awakened one. You've got to come to this liberation, this awareness of what's going on around about you. They say it's difficult to number how many Buddhists there are because there is a great difficulty in defining what a Buddhist is. There's many things, well, really, whatever anyone really wants to be, tied up in naturalism and humanism and so on. Hinduism claims to be the oldest living religion from about the time of Moses coming out of Egypt, the Exodus, the eternal law, they call it. There's no single founder. Um, Brahman is the supreme being, spirit, but... If you can recognize the innermost core of you, then you have approached the spirit of Brahman. And this is what people are believing. Their uh, supreme personal god is Ishvara. The lady in Kuvapiti, I witnessed her, her name was Ishvari. she became become a Buddhist and, or Hindu and changed her name to Ishvari. And so she was just a normal lady, just like, like you and I, she's... She was, uh, well, I think she was normal. She, she got en- engaged to a guy named Eric when he was 80 years of age and she was probably 69 or 70. And, um, but he was, he used to, he was the first overseas Qantas pilot. He was an intelligent man. And he was engaged to this lady named Ishvari who, um, changed the name to that because this is the supreme personal God. She's a, a, a white person like most of us here, just born in Australia, but becomes Ishvari. People trying to find something spiritual. And so we come here and we read verses like this and it's no different to what the Apostle Paul was finding in his day and generation. To the unknown God, whom you therefore you ignorantly worship, declare uh, him declare I unto you. And so we understand a little bit about these things that people are believing, not because we want to search it all out, but because we want them to understand that it's pointless pursuing that, but you can come to a reality with the Almighty God in the receiving of the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul was saying. Verse 26. He made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth. We've all got the same blood in our veins whether we're born dark-skinned or white-skinned or whatever. And he's determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. Well, the tides know how far they can come on the sea, sure, in the main. And the Lord's got everything in harmony, everything's there. It's not just nature. It just doesn't poof and perfection. And the universe just in harmony around We believe somebody made it all. God said, let it be, and there it was. 
because we know many of these people do not want to accept a creator because with that comes responsibility. If there's a creator, one day we must stand before the creator and give account of our life. And that's what Paul's talking about, trying to bring these people who have a, a worship to the unknown God. And many of these people you talk to when, uh, when we're overseas and had involvement with Buddhists and Hindus and others there, really that's what it's like for them. Do you, you pray to your God, yes. Do you expect your God to do anything for you? Well, no, not really. It's sort of an appeasement of, of the gods. There's no personal relationship with God. This is where the Christian message is so different to any other religion on the face of this earth. Not just a God in heaven that you've got to prostrate yourself before, but a God who wants to come and live inside of you. No other people really have that belief at all. The Hindu is trying to discover the inner core, and if you can discover what you are inside, you're an awakened one and, and you've got the spirit of Brahman inside of you. It's 27, that they should seek the Lord, if happily, perchance, they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. And so these people with all their worship, all their ways, and God's not far away. They build their cathedrals and their temples and, and uh, all sorts of ceremony, but God's not far away. The person is trying to find some spiritual relationship with something or other. They don't really know what. They're trying, and in the end it just becomes a habit, a chore, a ceremony, a duty, part of their life. And they get to the end of the day and they can't even remember what took place earlier in their ceremony. It's what they do every time, every day when they go to ceremony. We pray that when we go home, after our meetings, after communion, that uh, we're not like that at all. Think, oh, the day was a blur. I can't remember anything of it. We're here to receive something from the Lord because he's not far from every one of us. He wants to work through us today in the operation of the spiritual gifts. 28, for in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own prophets have said, we, for we are also his offspring. So that's what they're talking about, all these different religions saying we're an offspring of God, and they don't know. And you're holding in your hands this day the Bible which explains how you can have this relationship with God, praise the Lord, and how you can share it with others. Now, <clears throat> Christianity, all these other religions are looking, a God up in heaven and we're down here. Within the Christian way, this God from heaven comes down here amongst us. It's not people just trying to get up there into heaven. It says God comes to us. What other religion has got a God that comes to his people and becomes a human being and dies and rises again from the dead? That's not the belief of anybody else. And we just go around and think, oh, everybody's like that. Not so. People are very confused. They would like to be spiritual beings. They don't know how to find it, where to go, what to do. And so this is... This is uh, very different. God, in the form of Jesus, came to this earth, and he came to this earth to forgive you your sins, for forgiveness of sins. Now, people talk about forgiveness, but just gloss over it. And, uh, but it's something that I just wanted to think about today, a little bit about forgiveness of sins. Not an atonement, not an appeasement, not trying to carry favour with a God that will smile upon us. We want to think now about 
forgiven us, that we were lost, we were sinners, we were unsaved. There was nothing we could do about it. And God, in the form of Jesus Christ, his son, came to this earth to forgive us of our sins. And we all look at our past life and we, we see things that we're disappointed about. We would like to be able to turn the clock back and change things, and we can't. And maybe we, we worked hard at trying to be a better person and trying to make up for, to atone for the things that uh, we're uh, crooked on ourselves for. We couldn't really do it. The Christian message that Jesus came to this earth, the Son of God, to forgive us of our sins. Of course we worship him. We worship the almighty God. We're fully prepared to prostrate ourselves before him to worship him because he is the creator. But not only that, we come and we see that he wanted to forgive us of our sins, to wipe the slate clean, to start fresh. Through the waters of baptism, we start all over again. And we come today for communion. And maybe in this past week you've done some dumb things that you're disappointed in yourself about. You've disappointed yourself, you've disappointed somebody else, you've disappointed God. And you're coming out to have communion to say, Lord, give me the strength not to do those dumb things anymore. The Lord wants to forgive us if we come with him, to him with the right attitude. Let's go to Matthew 23, verse 23. <laughs> Sorry, Matthew 6, verse 23. No, 5, verse 23. <laughs> Make sure everybody's with us. That's it in the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, we got it? I've got it. Matthew 5, verse 23. Jesus said, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother and then come and offer thy gift. Now, Jesus come to forgive us of, of our sins. And Jesus taught us about forgiveness one for another. Sometimes people do things to us which are pretty horrible. They cannot be condoned in any, in any way whatsoever. But they've happened. And sometimes when you've been knocked about the head a bit, it's pretty hard to forgive. This is what Jesus was saying. We must forgive. As we read other verses here about forgiveness, we go on today. But it's a lesson. I oh, see everyone wants God to forgive them their sins, but to forgive somebody else is very difficult. I'll forgive, but I won't forget. Of course, that's not forgiving at all, is it? Holding on to it. If you want to grow, be happy and overcoming and rejoicing and spiritual and so on and grow in the Lord, we have to address this and make sure that we are prepared to forgive somebody else. Maybe we can rationalise that they don't deserve it. That's quite beside the point. We must not hold grudges and situations in our lives so we don't forgive somebody. Because if you do, you create a lot of problems for yourself. 25. Agree with your adversary quickly while you're in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver you to the judge and the judge deliver you to the officer and you be cast into prison. Talking here about a, a difference between two people. And Jesus said, look, while you've got the chance, don't let it get to a crunch position where you're in a court. Go to the person you don't want to speak to, not don't want to be involved with, and, and sort it out. Otherwise, the end might be a very, very uncomfortable situation. And we can rationalise. 
our thinking and our actions. So, no, no, no. We can avoid people. We can, we can do all sorts of things not to face up to things. But deep down, if we don't forgive, we will cripple ourselves for the rest of our lives. Mark chapter 11. And verse 23. I've got it right this time. Mark 11, verse 23. For verily, again, words and read the words of Jesus, I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and thou shalt not doubt in his heart, and shall, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he asks. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe ye uh, that you receive them, and you shall have them. Now, that's a pretty marvellous promise, and almost too good to be true for most people. They daren't believe things like this. But this is the words of Jesus. The things that we desire in our heart, of course, that are in, in, um, in concert with the plan of God for us in our lives, which are helpful for us to cause us to grow and to be effective and to be, and to be good testimonies as children of the living God. Those things that we need and we want, our desire to serve him, to be used by him, to be a, um, a testimony for him, he loves those things. You desire them, you'll have them. But there's a rider to it. All right, verse 25. He says, when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught anything against anybody that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. And again, it's pretty powerful words. Maybe words that we don't want to consider too strongly too often. Because deep down inside, that person, him, her, whatever, they shouldn't have done that to me. I'll just avoid them. I can't forgive them what they've done. I'll just avoid it. Put them on the back burner. You go along for weeks, months, years maybe, but it's there. It hasn't been dealt with. And in the end, it rises up and it destroys you. You've got to be able to forgive. It's not easy sometimes. But he says, if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. How can we come and take the communion and thank the Lord for the forgiveness of sins? We take this cup for the, the shed blood that was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. There's just words roll off our tongue. If inside we're not forgiving somebody else. Again, whether they deserve it or not, that's quite beside the point. Maybe that's hard, but it's something which we have to address. And look at ourselves. And if we want to have a great 2012, a year of victory and overcoming and joy and success and salvation of souls, let's start the year off by making sure that there's nothing in us which is not forgiving. If there is, maybe it's understandable, but you need to deal with it. Luke chapter 17 and verse 3. Take heed to yourselves. Now, look at yourself. Don't look at somebody else. Take heed. Pay attention. Examine. Analyze and come to a conclusion. Write it down and put yourself on the table and work it out now. Look at yourself, Jesus said. If your brother trespasses against you, rebuke him. If he repent, forgive him. 
If he trespasses against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turns again to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Seven times in a day. You, you start to think, well, if a person says sorry seven times in a day, they don't really mean it. Because if they don't mean it, well, it doesn't work. But if the person is truly repentant and sorry for what they've done, the Lord's just trying to emphasize the fact here that we must forgive no matter how difficult it is. You think you can't do it? Well, the apostles thought they couldn't do it either because in verse 5 the apostles said unto the Lord, increase our faith. It's too hard for us. You don't know what that person has done to me or said to me, how they've taken advantage of me, how they've abused me or whatever. You don't understand. But the Lord does understand. He knows your hurt. He knows your heartache. And he's just saying to you, you need to forgive. We need to get over a situation so that we can be blessed during this coming year. In, in Luke, uh, Luke uh, lets us off a bit easy here because he says, if your brother trespasses seven times in a day, if you read Matthew 18, uh, the Lord says to Peter there, you've got to forgive 70 times seven. If you're counting, well, of course, you haven't forgiven in the first place. You better start at number one again. Um, the Lord's trying to emphasize how important, how important this this um, this thing is about forgiveness. It's wonderful to know you're forgiven of your sins and a brand new start, freed from all the hindrances and, and the weights that shackled you and prevented you from being happy and successful in your life, natural and spiritual. For many people, that which is holding them back is a lack of forgiveness. Seven times in a day, well, if the person says sorry and they don't really mean it, it'll show up. But if they're saying sorry and they're really showing fruits, meet for repentance, well, we forgive them, we carry on. Ephesians, or well, verse 6 there, Jesus said, the Lord said, if your faith is a grain of mustard seed, you might say unto the sycamore tree, be plucked up by the root and be planted in the sea, and it shall obey you. And Matthew talks about, say to this mountain, be cast into the sea and it shall happen. And there's pretty uh, dramatic examples that the Lord is using of things that can happen when we walk in faith. And maybe we need almost that sort of faith at times to forgive. We've got to work at it, brethren, because if we don't forgive, we can't expect the Lord to forgive us. He makes the rules, and that's what he said. And he's promised to give us the strength and the courage, the understanding, the wisdom to be able to negotiate a very awkward, difficult situation and finish up with a resolution so that you're not carrying the burden of that hurt anymore. The other person, it's up to them. What they do is up to them. Because you've got to make sure you're not going to be like they are. You're going to rise above that. If they continue to be obnoxious, well, that's their problem. But you're not going to be like that. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, the last verse of that chapter. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted and forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. <coughs> for some people, that's almost just like swearing here. As for Christ's sake, he's forgiven you. God forgave us. Why? Because of the, the uh, pleading, the intercession, the advocacy of Jesus Christ on our behalf, not because we're worthy of it. 
Jesus loved us and he died for us. And because the Father loves the Son and the Son says, forgive them of their sins, and God forgives our sins because Jesus requests that. Our sins were forgiven by God because we belong to Jesus Christ. We need to be a Christian, not just in, in uh, you know, empty terms. A Christian, an anointed one, somebody who's filled with the Holy Spirit. Without the intercession of Jesus, without the death of Jesus on the cross of Calvary and the resurrection from the dead, we're, we're still dead in trespasses and sins. And nothing you can do about it. Expect God to forgive us. We can't forgive somebody else. Well, that's, uh, that's not very wise, not very sound. In that same chapter, verse uh, what, 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. When people have an altercation, a dispute and upset, sometimes people are rather foul mouth. Maybe they're swearing, cursing and carrying on and screaming and so on. We're not to be like that. At times you can understand it when people lose control because of the horrible things, the betrayal or whatever people have done to them. And maybe sometimes we lose it. We're talking about forgiveness here and that person that's done the horrible thing, we've got to forgive so that we can move on in our life. If we've been contributors to, uh, to whatever the altercation might have been, a contributing factor in it, well, we need to forgive ourselves as well and move on from there. Lord, give me wisdom so that I don't find myself in such a position anymore. And forgive them. Not just empty words. We're just trying to concentrate on that a bit this, this afternoon. Think about it. About our forgiveness for somebody who has wronged us. Beaten us, stolen from us, deceived us, tricked us, whatever, manipulated us, whatever it is. We don't want to carry that any longer. Lay it behind you. We start the new year, a year of victory. Hallelujah. It's great to have the power within, the power of the Holy Spirit, to be able to forgive. And really, I think we can only really forgive when we comprehend, when we grasp this, that God's forgiven us. We couldn't do it ourselves. So no corrupt communication, no, no letting off steam and, and, and so on, but that uh, proceed out of our mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, for building up the other party, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And, uh, you know, the, the, the peacemakers will inherit the earth, and we're trying to promote peace around about us. You can have a far happier life if all the people around you are nice people and not people that argue and, and, and people of the world. We're in a privileged position, brethren, to be in a fellowship here such as we are with brothers and sisters that uh, promote peace all the time. Not very often do we find strifes amongst us. Hallelujah. People, the man down at Karakalinga, New Year's Eve, there he's trying to organise groups and people and so on and talking with him there. He's witnessed to down at Victor Harbour. And um, he said, I can't believe it. I look around here, all these people. And he said, there's no arguments, there's no fighting, there's no alcohol. I can't believe it. He's been involved in all sorts of social work and organisations. I've never seen anything like this. And to us, it's just normal. Hallelujah. Be thankful for the life that we have. Never never just treat it, are you, and complain and want something more all the time. We are content. 
30 says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed under the day of redemption. So if you're holding a grudge against somebody, not forgiving them, the Holy Spirit within you is, is at odds with your attitude, saying, well, God's forgiven you of all of your sins and what you've done to everyone else. You've got to forgive this one too. And if you don't, inside you'll be unsettled. If you're unsettled, you can't be taking your victories. You can't be functioning the way that the Lord wants you to function, the way that you want to live your life too. We're still with the Holy Spirit of God under the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit's not going to go away, and it will give us the wherewithal to um, to cope with any situation, no matter how difficult, this mountainous problem uh, in front of you. 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamour, shrieking and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. This is all bound up in forgiveness. We need to work at it, brethren, so it doesn't reside there. A little leaven leavens the whole lump and it rises up and in the end we're in, in all sorts of strife. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up, trouble you, and thereby many be defiled, we read in, in the book of Hebrews. You can do something about your joy, your life. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And if you're uh, able to forgive and overcome, you'll be happy and you'll have a, you'll be strong in the Lord. It all begins with come to communion, realize that God has forgiven us of our sins and we want to forgive whatever's come against us and carry no grudges. Colossians 3, verse 12. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved. Just beautiful words that the Lord uses there to describe us. Take comfort from it. Put on bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and long-suffering. It's not being weak. It's being wise to have these attitudes in your life. And it says, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man has a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And... um, um you know, in, in Romans it talks about as much as lies within you to live peaceably with all men. And, and the Lord's recognising it's so difficult at times. People really want to stir us up, get in our face. They want us to retaliate. And it's not good for us. Forbearing one another, forgiving one another. Forbearing means putting up with. And sometimes this is not just somebody who's not saved, this is somebody in the Lord, a brother or a sister that's... Uh, maybe not been walking in the spirit as they should at a particular time and really distressed us, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. Not just a matter of putting up with the situation, but forgiving them. How often a person has done something horrid, they come back later, say, look, I'm sorry I upset you, and you say, you better not do it again. That sort of attitude. We don't want to be like that. Say, thank you. I'm sorry if I stirred you up. I don't want to be like that either. We're brothers and sisters together. We're going to live forever in the kingdom. We better start to learn to get on now, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. And if we if we hold on to this tenet, well, we'll have a a blessed, uh, happy fellowship, a fellowship the Lord can bring people into and uh, many, many more. Let's just finish in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 
verse 1. Paul says to the Corinthians, We then, as workers together with him, Jesus, beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. Now, some people don't make it. Get baptized and spirit-filled. They walk with the Lord for a while and they fall by the wayside. They've received the grace of God in vain. In the end, it was nothing. We don't want to be like that. And the way that we make sure that we're not like that is to make sure that if we need to forgive somebody, we do something about it. Maybe that person has already moved on in their life. The incident has passed and long forgotten, and within you, you're still harboring some anger towards that person. Deal with it, even this day. For he said, I've heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. So now is the time to address some of these things. We come to communion, let every man examine himself. Man and woman, brother and sister, examine themselves and see that they be in the faith. And if there's some little adjustments that need to be made in your life and your thinking, in your attitude, well, now's the time to do it. That's what communion is about. And what better time than the beginning of the year so that we're not, you know, no excess weight in the saddlebags for the rest of the year. Our life in the Lord, the truly Christian life, is so different to all those other religions. Here, you know, those people, how do they forgive when they've got, they haven't got the Holy Spirit? And all the time they're fighting with things. And we've got the ability through the Holy Spirit to draw a line. As you went through the waters of baptism and everything before was gone, finished. You've got an opportunity every Sunday when you take communion to make sure that whatever's in the past is in the past. We're going to go on from here. It says in verse, um, verse 3, giving offence, uh, no offence in anything that the ministry be not blamed. Your ministry or the ministry of the church. We want to be the sort of people that others might look and say, I'd like to be like that person. And not to be people looking at you and say, I'm glad I'm not like you. They're never going to come to the Lord if that's what they think of us. You might have the message accurate and wonderfully presented, but if that's what they think of you, they're never going to come along to be part of the family of God. We have to make sure that we don't give offence in anything. You look at your own life your ways, your mannerisms, your attitudes, the things you dwell upon, your habits and so on, and think, well, I wonder if that upsets anybody. You look at other people and, and you, you look at good habits and ways they have and you look to emulate those. And you look at some people and you see things which great. Not necessarily wrong, but great a bit. And you say, well, look at yourself. Do I do those sort of things? If so, I want to eliminate them out of my life giving offence in no thing, not having to make excuses for our behaviour, not having to avoid people, not having at any time something deep down inside that where we haven't forgiven. If we want to believe that Jesus has forgiven us totally, and we want to believe that because if not we can't get into the kingdom of heaven, there's no sin going to get into the kingdom of heaven, we need to be totally forgiven, we need to forgive other people. That's what Jesus said, wasn't it? You forgive others as God has forgiven you. And so we give offence in no thing that the ministry be not blamed. That is that our testimony or that people cannot criticise our church 
the ministers in the church because of the way that we shriek and clamour and, and fight or whatever it might be. We just eliminate those things out of our life. You'll be happy, you'll be rejoicing, you'll have a wonderful year in 2012 till the Lord comes back and communion is a special time. All the people say, Amen. Amen.